0: Welcome everyone to our upscale podcast. Um, it's Arena today, and I've got Nathan and Mitch here. How are you guys?
1: Really good. Thank you, Arena. Quite the intro, I must say. Well done.
0: So yeah, I'm, I'm getting there. I'm getting uncomfortable with it. Um, today we're here about like to talk about sales. And look, it's not my area of expertise, but I always obviously my job is always impacted by sales and the sales team because I only get to deal with the clients once the sale was made. And for me, I personally came out of an area where it's all about referrals. If you do a good job, people refer you to someone else. It worked really well in the accounting space. And, you know, you might do a little bit of um, LinkedIn advertising or something like that, but it's not very common to spend a lot of money on like advertising to get the sales. It's more my friend told me about you. My family is using your business so in the area of sales like I never had to do that but I know you guys are really good at this so our clients struggle with this and I want to know what are the best sales techniques how do you attract your best customers and and what's the trick what what can you do to get better at sales
1: Mm -hmm. I love the question I think for me, the way I look at it, there is basically two sides to sales and one is sales and one is marketing. I feel where a lot of companies get their marketing wrong is they try to promote their products and services rather than treat that space as, I don't know, sending a message that you would usually try and send one on one. So acting as a salesperson, speaking to the customer's wants and needs rather than traditionally what people do is just say here i am this is my product please buy it you know and that doesn't sell why sales works so well is because it's relationship based you go out you you put yourself in front of somebody you build a relationship and that generally turns into something that lasts um i think there's a really unique space these days with digital marketing um to really focus in your message and work out ways that you can deliver that message on a much broader scale. As a, as a person, you can only speak to, you know, one person at a time. With your marketing, you have the ability to speak to hundreds of thousands of people a day. So I think you've, you've got, got to get really clear on your message. You've got to get really clear on who you're trying to attract. And then you've got to develop what it is you're going to say.
2: Yep. I think something that's really important to, this is for for my my philosophy with it all, is that sales actually starts at the delivery. You know, Irina, you talked about that you don't actually see the side of sales because you're dealing with the clients once they come on board. It's really important that when you're selling something, that you sell something that you actually offer as a business. So if we look at it in our space, you know, our clients have to deliver a great product, a great service, so that when you're selling someone, you're doing it authentically, you're telling them what they're going to get by working with you. And therefore, they receive that. And I always like to start sales actually at the end, which is a delivery, create a great product, create a great service, learn how to deliver that really, really exceptionally. And then the sales almost become natural, Mm. because you are solving people's problems with the product or service that you offer. So therefore, when you get into a sales situation, what you're telling them you're going to do for them is actually what's going to occur. You know, if we talk about the coaching space that we sit in, our clients come to us with effectively, this is where I'm at right now and this is where I'd like to get to. And these are the problems that I'm currently faced with right now that's stopping me from going to the next step. And then they're going to be faced with more problems and they're going to need more solutions. We have to be able to provide solutions to get them to the next stage. Otherwise, they're not going to buy. And yet you can use your witchcraft and your trickery and all those kind of like fancy words and so forth that you hear so many great sales gurus pushing out. But at the end of the day, you're just going to have a massive churn rate. And churn rate is simply the amount of clients that are going to leave. And if you're talking about a service-based business, it's the amount of clients that aren't going to come back and have repeat work with you. They're not going to refer you on. They're not going to give you all the additional multipliers that you can get from one singular client.
0: Mm.
1: I think that you touched on something really important there is the churn. And in this day and age with digital marketing and how we acquire customers most of the time, the cost of acquiring customers is really, really high. Mm. Um, you know, it can be to the point of a couple hundred dollars per lead or per sale. Yep. So we really need to look at how we can maximize each potential lead or sales lifetime uh, value as a client because paying $300 to do a job once and it may only have a small value is, you know, it's not going to get you anywhere. But, you know, attracting the right type of customer for $300, building a relationship with that customer and engaging with them over a, a long period of time is how we make these things effective.
2: Yeah, Think about it on like a a mathematical stance, a maths basis, is if it costs you $300 to acquire one client, but then that one client, you do a great job for them and they go and tell another client, and that cost of acquisition is now zero for the secondary client, the two clients spread the cost of acquisition, which means that the now cost of acquisition across the two clients is $150 each. Mm. And we also know that referrals feed referrals, meaning that if I refer someone on to a business, the person I've referred has come in via referral. It means they're more likely to refer someone on as well. So that second referral becomes a third, fourth, fifth, sixth. Your cost of acquisition goes down. Mm-hmm. So if we're going to sit here today and have conversations about sales and you know converting people and, and getting them all into a space, I think one big point is have a great product, develop the product out, develop your offering, understand your value stack. What is it that makes your product worth more than the perceived value? Mm-hmm. You know, we talk to electricians, we talk to plumbers, we talk to plenty of tradesmen, painters, carpenters, all these different spaces, and they're always trying to win on price. Price is a great thing to win on Mm. if you don't want to make money. Mm -hmm. Yep. If you don't want to make money and you don't want to grow a business and you don't want to scale, Sure, win on price and you'll cash flow yourself and you know what? You'll never get anywhere and you'll always be doing the work.
1: Don't advertise. If you're just going to try and win jobs on price, don't advertise. You've got no need. No. Yeah. There's absolutely, you're not going to get anywhere with that. You really need to be, you know, in addition to this, I think you really need to understand who your customer is. You need yep. to have a really clear understanding of who it is you're trying to attract Yep. and what their pain points are. You know, what are the things that they are struggling with? What are the things that they are looking for in a provider And when we're, you know, targeting our messaging, we're really trying to speak to those, you know, things that they're finding difficult and we're going to provide solutions to them in that. Mm -hmm. Um, Further to that, I think, you know, again, keeping in mind that um, we're trying to keep the life cycle of the customer. So we need to build a system and a sales system that, that is going to work at keeping that client every step along the way. So, you know, there's there's everything from your email marketing, you know, the following up, um, quoting, all this kind of stuff. We need, need to build a system that means that when a customer comes in, we can follow it and track it each step of the way and ensure that we're going to continue that relationship as time goes on.
0: So I really like have a really good product, be really clear about your offering, build a relationship. I think the building a relationship part, for me, like I sales make me uncomfortable. Like I don't like doing this. If I think about a salesperson, I usually think, oh, they're pushy, they just want to get my money, they're not really going to help me. What can you do if you have that fear to come across like that or have the fear to make the sale? What can you do to get over that, to get better? And I think a lot of our clients, they would feel the same. They don't really like that space of making a sales call.
1: Yeah. Here's the thing with that. You know, I think this is this is where a lot of business owners need to realize you, you're not in the business of being a plumber or an electrician anymore once you you're trying to scale your business. You're in the business of selling a product or service. You know, if you are just trying to, you know, do your craft, then essentially you own your job. You know, you're just owning your job. If you're going to grow and scale a business, you need to take on that responsibility of driving sales. With sales, you know, there's no problem that money can't solve. You know, if you've got money coming in, if revenue is coming in, every single problem can be solved through being a good salesperson. So um, you need to just get familiar with the fact that you're going to have to start to face this kind of stuff. Nobody starts near this you know, being really good at it to begin with, I still, like, I still struggle with the social anxiety, the, 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 you know, the, the, the feelings of you know inadequacy and these kinds of things. When you go into these unfamiliar situations, every human does, you know, it's just a really normal feeling to have, but you just need to start somewhere. You need to start putting in the action and that is putting yourself out there. It's picking up the phone, making those phone calls, dropping in and seeing people, asking the uncomfortable questions and just realizing that by doing this, you're actually moving forward. You've got to go through this uncomfortable phase before it's going to get any better. But by doing so, I mean, not doing it is what's standing between you and the life of your dreams. If you want the life of your dreams, you've got to start putting yourself out there. And it's just fear that's getting
2: in the way. Yep. Fear, false evidence appearing real. You know, people sit there and they sit in the, this is a great exercise we actually do Um, on you know on a couple of our calls we're actually doing implementation stuff we make people go and find three contacts they want to work with three dream clients then we make them in our sessions call them mute your line go and call those three people get in contact with them and then after that they'll come back and you know some of them are like oh my god i've got an appointment booked or wow you know i'm going to see them tomorrow or you know i've got to send them an email with this and that details and then i look at them and i say okay great check your fingers, check your toes. You got your arms? I'm like, did anything bad actually happen? Some of them are like, yeah, I got to know. I'm like, and like, are you okay? And they're like, yeah, like, I'm fine. Like, I mean, it was annoying, but I'm still here. Nothing changes. Mm. And if we look at that, it's like, we have these fears around the worst case scenario. We always sit in a fear-based space around what if everything goes wrong? I think you should look at this and go, what if everything goes right? Then I'm going to be the different problem. I'm going to have so much work that I don't know how to hire. Let's be
1: honest. What could actually go wrong in that scenario? What's the worst thing that could happen? Nothing.
2: We run a session as well called the comfort of no. It's around teaching people that no is actually a good thing because you still might get their email addresses. You still might get their contact details. It might only be a no for now. Mm. You're now on someone's radar. you know. And in a few months time or a few years time when they're looking for someone in that space, as long as you've kept up that, appearance you might be the person that they take into account yeah
1: so what we're actually talking about here is fear of rejection. yes you know like when a lot of people walk into this space they're worried about that they may be rejected they may hear the words no and there's usually an old tape that goes on in the head to try and avoid these kinds of things. Yep. so um I think just realizing that you know going into these situations a certain amount of no's will eventually mean a yes. You know, you might hear four no's and hear one yes. And then you just got to build upon that ratio.
2: Yeah. And it'll also develop your craft. You know, you talked about once you become a business owner, you actually get in the game of selling. Yep. Mm. I think what's really important to think about here is we have to remove what selling is. Too many people have watched Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. Yep. And they think that selling is about trickery, like witchcraft is around manipulating someone into realistically giving up something for something that's a shitty product. Hmm. Yep. I look at sales as relationship building. Business is relationship building. And when you're trying to sell to someone, all you actually want to do is go in and build a relationship with them by offering solutions to the problems that they have. Mm. If we look at it like that, you get on the phone and you're simply going, I can help you. Mm. And as human beings, we have a natural desire to want to help people.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: You know, it's very rare that if I ask for help from someone that I won't get that help, that they won't want to help me. You know, if I walk down the street and I'm like, hey, is there any chance you can help me? I don't know how to get to this place. If that person knows, it's very rare. They're going to be like, nah, sorry. I don't know how to get there. <laughs> they want to help you. You know, yeah. it's like it's like kids with their shoelaces. When they're running around, they don't know how to tie their shoelaces. Like everyone wants to help. Oh, here, I'll, I'll help you do that. Mm. You know, I think that we need to start looking at sales as simply that we are helping people. And our goal is to build a relationship with them and offer them a solution. And if we just simply think of it like that, a lot of the time, that fear will actually dissipate. It'll, will be removed. It'll, it'll become less, at least.
0: I really, sorry, I really like that because, like, as a business owner, as someone who doesn't like doing sales, going into that sale with the mindset, I can actually help someone with what I've got to offer, and I just need to find out about you if that fits, like fits for you, if it actually will be able to, like solve your problems. And then in the end, of course, you know you might have someone they have the problem, uh, they like your product, but the price point is not quite right. So you you need to be probably really clear about what makes you better than other people.
2: Yep, that's your value stack. Yeah. How do you make something that costs that? Like if we think about, we, we we'll do a whole session on this. But if we think about our value stack, we have three different points on a value stack. We have what something costs you as a business. Yep, at the bottom. Then right at the top we have what the client sees the value of that item being, and then in the middle, we have what does the item actually cost the client? So for example, let's just say use PowerPoint, for example. PowerPoint, and don't quote me on these numbers, I'm just going to use straight numbers to keep it nice and easy. Let's say a PowerPoint costs you $50 with the labor materials and so forth, and then you sell that for 100 Now, if there's some way that you can make a client feel like they're getting $300 worth of value, by adding in additional services like uh, 110-point safety inspections, okay? Um, If you can also add in like ongoing 10% off for the rest of the year, on-call four-hour turnaround. Like if you can add additional things and they feel like there's more value, selling something becomes so much easier. Mm.
1: People want to buy. They don't want to be sold. Exactly. Mm. As well.
2: Exactly. Now, I just want to come back onto something because... I did say that if you look at it like it's a building of relationship, then it can remove a lot of that fear and become easier. It's really important to also understand the personality type that you are. And what I mean by that is that, you know what, there's people out there that don't want to build relationships. And that's actually a fear that they have. But maybe those people are, you know what, like down and right, um, like they need to be pushed. They want to win. They want to excel. They want to succeed. Those kind of people might need to look at sales as a numbers game. And I'm not, that's not how I would do it. But those people need to look at it and go, all right, okay, I want to make three sales today. And then that's their driver. That's what they look at. That's actually what pushes them through. You know, they look at it and go, okay, I've got 10 calls today. I want to sell three. And that's their goal. And they become a really driven, goal oriented person based off a numbers space. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you need to find what works for you when it comes to sales. But the first thing is you just need to put yourself out there and think of the worst thing that could happen is nothing. Mm-hmm. You'll get a no, and maybe even that no could become a yes.
1: I think this applies to everything in life. This doesn't just apply to sales. It, if you want to live the life that you dream of, you have to be willing to go after the things you want. You
2: have to take action.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you can't just sit around and going, oh, it'll fall in my lap one day. Or, you know, just coming across and allowing things into your life that just fall into your lap. If you want the things that that light you up and, and you desire, then you have to put yourself out there and it starts with asking for them.
2: Yep. Yep. So true. Okay. Now okay. if we look at the sales space, yep, we've talked about creating a great product. We've talking about, we've talked, we've spoken about removing the fear. Yep. So that therefore you are actually able to convert. I think if, and we're kind of working backwards here, which is really nice. We're reverse engineering this process. The part before that is also that we we need to also have a space where we can put and track the amount of people that we're speaking with and the interactions that we're having so that we understand our pipeline. Yep. And a pipeline is something simple. We were just talking about this before is that people need to move through stages. Mm-hmm. Yep. When we're selling, we yep. have to manage each contact. We do. Yeah, we need to manage each lead. And we'll talk leads in a second.
0: I actually really like the idea of having a space where you put this. Yes. um, Because let's all face it, we're all busy. We have a lot going on in our minds. So if you don't write it down, you forget.
1: And I'll just say this is so crucial, this part we're about to speak of. Again, talking about the cost of acquisition being really high if we're not managing our clients and we don't have a way to track our communications, if we're not prompted, there's no way with the volume of people we're going to be talking to these days, we can possibly keep up and manage leads effectively. Yep. So we have to have a system that works and speaks to these things.
2: Yep. So look, without us giving any recommendations and I, I think we'll, with, with us giving some recommendations, but not saying which one you should go after, they're all different um, and you should you know choose those on your own. What are some of the ones that you recommend, um, Nathan, in that space? Look,
1: uh, there's there's a lot of different CRMs. So we're we're talking about a CRM, a Client Relationship Management System. It's basically just one central point where all communications, leads, everything go through. And any time we send an email, a message, make a phone call, it all gets tracked into one place. Those services will also prompt you uh, based on a task list. Of when you need to follow up. If you send a quote, when you're going to do that, when you're going to do the follow-up. And it just gives you a, a really simple way of uh, actioning what you need to action in a timely manner. Um, I've worked with quite a few different uh, providers over the years. There's been Salesforce, HubSpot, um, there's new emerging ones coming out, like Lana, which I believe have some really great um, connectivity with some of the job management systems. I think what you're looking for in a, in a program is that ability to link to your job management systems. If we can get all the systems talking to one another, it kind of stops the, the double entry and this kind of thing. But ultimately, this is a standalone product. This is something that is very separate from anything else you do. It manages all your communications and nothing else.
2: Yep. Yep. So you so you said just so I can rehash. And you went Salesforce. Yep. yep. Salesforce, behemoth of a program.
1: It's a, it's the Ferrari.
2: It's the Ferrari. It is expensive, but it's great. Yeah. Yep. You talked about HubSpot,
1: which is my personal favorite.
2: Yep. Which I, is that middle tier. Yeah, it's does, still a, most. It's
1: still a Lamborghini. It's got yep. everything in there, but it's a bit cheaper. You don't have it's. Yeah, maybe yeah. it's an Audi.
2: It's an Audi. Okay, yeah. like like an RS five. Maybe a wolf in sheep's clothing kind of thing. Yeah. You know? It's it's yeah. okay. Sweet. Um, and then, <laughs> I like that. I like that. Right. Then you've got um, Lana. You also have Podium. Um, I always call uh, Lana is um, Podium's younger sister. Um, and there's nothing wrong with a younger sister, uh, but um, it literally does the same thing. It's just a little bit cheaper. Mm. Um, and, you know, we have a lot of guys. It's really, really good for managing the communication, the conversations when you have leads coming in from social media channels.
1: Mm-hmm. Podium, uh, they do that really well. <laughs> they do. Yeah. They do.
2: But then you can also use something like Monday or Asana if you are wanting a more of a basic um cheaper mm. alternative to those. Now, I'm not saying that any of what we've said is better than the other. I think it's really important that you do your own research, um, but you can always talk to the coaches about what what is that we recommend and yeah. what we use.
1: And your um your, your job management software will generally have some basic abilities for tracking tasks and this kind of thing. My experience has been that a lot of the time they don't quite crack what we need uh, yes. in terms of managing clients, but they'll have some
2: basic functionality in there. Yep, perfect, perfect. So now we've got somewhere to put it all yeah. Let's talk leads. Let's think about if we're, we're talking sales, effectively, we, do need, we, put in there? Yeah, we, we need people that are reaching out to us or that we are reaching out to hmm. to be actually selling to. So how do we get the kind of like leads that we want to work with, the people we want to work with? How do we get them?
1: So I think first of all, well, there's two sides to this. The first is we have to be very clear on who we're trying to attract. Mm-hmm. We have our marketing avenues, you know, Google, Facebook. Um, Instagram, social media, uh, where we can put a message out and the right type of person is hitting certain demographics clicks on that ad, comes through to our website, gives us a call, books in a job. This is, you know, you can get pretty close to your, your, the type of customer you want, but it'll never be your ideal. And you, there will be a lot of admin load when it comes to this kind of stuff, but it's your bread and butter and a backbone of a lot of trade and service-based businesses. On the other side of that, we've got outreach. We've got a, we make a list of the ideal clients we want to work with, and we actively pursue these clients through our sales processes. But I think you need to have a mixture of both. Yep. The the first the the advertising is a really good way passively your money attracts the customers, not your effort. Yep. Whereas the second moves you towards your ideal customer, but it is also laborious and takes time.
2: Yep. I call it slow and fast burn. Yep, fast burn is something that you put money or energy into right now and it's going to give you work in the next week to two weeks. Slow burn is something you put time, money, energy and effort into now and it's going to pay off over time. And it's Mm -hmm. probably going to have a bigger ROI on the long game. Mm -hmm. But if you're struggling for work right now, you need to think of like you just said, your Facebook ads, your Facebook groups, your Facebook posts, so social media, Google ads and and just that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, reaching out to your current client list and so on. And if we're looking at the slower burn stuff, it's the outreach, it's the creating the desired clients that you want to work with and getting all their details and lists on lists, and then reaching out to them continuously. You know, we always talk about ideal clients probably already have someone that does what you do. So therefore, it's it's like a relationship. You know, you've got to go and build that relationship. You've got to go and put the work and the effort in now. You've got to let them know that you're here, that you've got a system that you're going to show up each and every month just like clockwork saying, hey, knock, 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 just checking in, how's everything going? Mm. Because one day their current tradesman, their current service based business that they're working with is going to let them down. And you've got to be there to swoop in, take on the work and go for it. I'll say with the outreach,
1: if you're not going to if you're not going to be systematic with it, there's no point in doing it at all. I'd agree. There's no point in sending an email out and then never doing anything with it. Yep. There's no point in calling in once and dropping a coffee off to someone and then never dropping in again. No. I, I, this is where I believe you don't want to spread yourself too thin. You really need to identify who is it I want to work with? Who is my dream client and my dream clients and make a list and work them and work them and work them. It won't happen overnight, but if you continue at it, doors will open and opportunities will will come about.
2: Yep,
0: That is so much to go on. Get the leads, build the relationships with your ideal customers, have something that, comes to you quickly, you know, advertising if you actually really need work quickly, and then, you know, just put yourself out there and go through the pro- process and get better at it with time. I think that's super helpful.
1: It can all be a bit overwhelming, I think, to begin with as well, and that's why, you know, we really enjoy working with our clients through this stuff and kind of guiding them through it. We, um, we have a lot of the templates and and things already written up, so we, we provide our, our clients a lot of the support around this kind of stuff. So, you know, there's a lot in that for you guys today. And if you are interested at all, if you do want some support around this stuff, drop us a line. We'd be more than happy to share some information with you.
2: I think something that's really important to kind of tie this all up with and finish on is that effectively sales is all about growing your business. If your business is not growing, it is dying. And the reason that I say this and, you know, I make it sound so morbid is that the market size is always growing which means that if your business isn't at least growing at the same rate as the market, it means that other players are coming in and they're taking that market size off you. Yep. Or they're taking it from somewhere. So everyone's business needs to grow. Your sales need to continually keep on evolving and keep on moving forward. Otherwise, you're going to get to this point where you're going backwards. And we don't want that for anyone. You know, we want successful business owners to have profitable businesses that are always moving forward so that they can eventually sell it. They can eventually walk away. They can automate whatever it looks like. They just need to keep growing in some way, shape or form.
0: Yep. And it all ties back to sales. It does. So that's finished there. Um, if you have any questions, reach out and get selling. Bye. See you. See ya.